France got the old band back together against Australia with Olivier Giroud and Kylian Mbappe playing all the old hits. But can they hit the right notes against a Danish team that beat them home and away fairly recently in the Nations League? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is World Cup Only Better. On drums for us today, the excellent Mark O'Hare. Uh, Mark, you're a big fan of Denmark, we know that, but they were fairly underwhelming in their opening game. What problems can they cause for France, do we think? Yeah, they were very disappointing. Um, whether they were spooked or, or surprised by Tunisia, um, or maybe a bit of both, really, because Tunisia were much more proactive than we possibly anticipated coming into this competition. And they really sort of stamped their authority on that match and in the first half, at least. Dominate. Denmark dominated the possession, but uh, you know, Tunisia looked much more threatening in forward areas. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty bland Danish performance, really. And, you know, across the first hour, they were outshot 13-3 by Tunisia, which is... Mental, really, when you think about it. But uh, they pressed and, and harried them really well. Is that well. the official term? Is that the <laughs> analytics term? <laughs> it, it felt apt for, for what I saw, yes. really. And um, yes. Yeah, I mean, Kasper Hulmund, I'm a big, big fan of him. He's a smart tactician. Took him a while, though, to change things for the better. And, and they did switch to a back four, brought on Cornelius, went more direct and, and caused Tunisia problems. Tunisia only had one shot after Cornelius came on. Uh, but actually, if you look at the expected goals and the actual sort of chances that Denmark created... Almost 90% of their XG came from dead ball situations. That's very unlike Denmark. They're normally very adaptable, very versatile. They're able to hit you down the flanks or through the middle. Um, you know, Ericsson wasn't as influential as he possibly could be. And, and Jochen Milo was also sort of dummied, not dummied, uh, doubled up on by the uh, Tunisians too. So I think they'll get a bit more joy against France. But um, yeah, I've seen people sort of eulogising their performance against Australia, which was impressive, of course. But um I thought they started quite sloppily, uh, finished strongly, uh, and look, player for player, they're in a different stratosphere to Australia too. So I'm not sure we can learn a huge amount from it. The probably one big thing is is the fact that Teo Hernandez comes into the team now for his brother, offers a, a much more dynamic left hand side uh, alongside Kylian Mbappe. Going forward, they obviously look very strong. We 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 already know that really, and Dembele is is looking fit and confident, which is a a big plus on the right hand side too. Still have doubts about that midfield, um, Shumeni and Rabiot, um, and as well as that defence, I always think. Canate and Upamecano have a potential mistake in them. So there is hope for Denmark here and they have kind of been, you know, the market has moved against them, uh, understandably so after that first performance, but we know that they can get better than that. France, can they get better? Well, obviously they can. We, we can't really sort of judge them too heavily on that performance against one of the worst teams in the competition. So intrigued to see how this one plays out. I couldn't really make a call in any of the major markets, but one thing that did stand out to me going back on to sort of Teo Hernandez coming into that team on the left-hand side, there's some serious gas now and attacking thrust alongside Mbappe. And uh, I thought Joachim Anderson didn't look comfortable at all uh, on the right-hand side of Denmark's back three against a, a lively Tunisian team. So he made three tackles and committed two fouls in that game. He's 7-2 for a card in this game, which did appeal to me. Um, but also, you can get 15-8 to eight on him to commit two or more fouls, which feels like a very big price considering the players he's up against. He actually committed two or more fouls in four of his last seven Premier League games for Crystal Palace. Um, he did so against Tunisia, and now he's up against Teo and Mbappe. So two big prices, I think, based around Joachim Anderson. 
On lead guitar, it's trader and tipster Emmett O'Keefe. Emmett, Olivier Giroud stepped in to replace the injured and now absent Karim Benzema. He's on the verge of becoming his country's all-time record goalscorer. I know that we keep going on about how underrated he is, so clearly he's not underrated if we keep talking about it, but he's a hell of a player. Yeah, he is. And I think he's kind of... Um... Some some players are kind of are kind of better in certain systems or cer certain formations. Like the kind of the really great players, I think, are kind of great independent of whatever formation you set up. But certain players like you who are, I think, in the in the good to very good category need the kind of need the right system. I think France clearly play to his strengths, and it like it may be that France could. France needed two in, needed two injuries to find their best team in terms of like maybe having a slightly more balanced team. Which, which I'm not fully sold that they're a better team without Benzema, but I think certainly I think we'd probably see a better Mbappe without Benzema there. I think I can say that with, with, with quite a bit of confidence. And then obviously the Lucas Hernandez injury is very unfortunate for him, but he shouldn't have been playing. Like there's if you look at there, there are two fullbacks. They had two defensive fullbacks in Lucas Hernandez and Pavard, which which doesn't really add up when you have Theo Hernandez, one of the most gifted I think attacking attacking wing backs. Is he worried defensively though? Taylor he, is, he is, but I think like if you've if you've a fullback like Pavard who can kind of hang back and play that more defensive role, I think you can carry it. I think like in modern football, a bit like you see with Cancelo at Man City and Kyle Walker hanging back. Even we see, I know Germany had issues with the way they were they were playing with kind of Sula hanging back and Ryan <laughs> <and> <laughs> charging for. I think I think that that kind of tactical setup I think is is viable to have kind of one defensive fullback and one attacking fullback. I just, I think if, if you just have two fullbacks who are weak at attacking, it just limit. I think it's very, very limiting. So I think France are, are a better team with with Theo in there. But on this game, like I'm, I'm very wary of kind of reacting, overreacting to a small sample size of one game. As Mark's as Mark Mark outlined, I, 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 France weren't perfect against Australia, and as we kind of discussed pre, on the preview podcast, Australia one of the worst teams of the tournament with a manager under pressure. I think that that was a game that was all set up for France. Like I think. Whereas I think like Denmark did beat France twice in the Nations League and and deservedly so, and I am I am prepared to keep faith in Casper Hulman and this Denmark team that have consistently been very good over the last couple of years. Like one of the reasons I would kind of forgive them that Tunisia performance is that Tunisia basically had home advantage in that game. Like the it, it, a lot of the atmospheres of this World Cup have been kind of quite dead and kind of nearly have a preseason vibe, but Tunisia had a lot of fans there and that was like a really like. That was kind of a hostile environment. Generally, we would make out home advantage uh, to be worth about 0.3 of a goal, and that's generally based on crowd on crowd noise and the influence that it has on referees' decisions. I think Tunisia had at least 0.2 of a goal coming into that game with the fans they had, and I, I, so and just um, given that these most of these World Cup sides had no kind of preseason pre-tournament friendlies. I'm kind of I would it wouldn't be surprised to me to see a team like Denmark who are kind of all about kind of teamwork and kind of and kind of play, playing in patterns, taking a couple of games to really hit their stride. So given all of that, I think Denmark Denmark are big here. Like I, I think I, I couldn't I couldn't recommend for France at at around, at around one point eight. I, I, I still think this Denmark team have a big part to play in the tournament. And I, 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 as Mark said, I think I think I, I, I have a lot of questions about France's midfield. And I think Denmark can can, can get after Kanate and Upamecano at centre half. So yeah, Denmark double double chance for me yet over even money. Our dashing front man in for goals, Jake Osgathorpe. Jake, let's take things to the other game in the group then. Tunisia against Australia. It's fair to say Tunisia are probably the rightful favourites at 2.22, but that's 
largely a mark against Australia than one pro Tunisia, isn't it, really? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Australia were awful in that first game. Granted, they were playing a good France team. Um, and Tunisia, they, as, as I said, they were very impressive in, uh, in that game against Denmark. But kind of not unexpected. Um, if you look back through the, the recent, I say recent, if you go back 20 games of Tunisia's international matches, they've actually kept 11 clean sheets in that time. So they're, they're generally a very solid defensive team. So it wasn't a massive surprise to see them hold Denmark um, to, to very few chances. And that's the angle I'm taking again in this game. I think <clears throat> Australia, they they took a, advantage of, a, of France being a bit slow out of the blocks to take a, a lead. I don't think they'll get that opportunity here. I think Tunisia will be really switched on from the from the off. Um, I know this is kind of a, a massive game for Tunisia because don't win this, your final games against France. The chances of qualifying are obviously going to decrease massively on, in that regard. So there is a bit of an onus on them to actually go out and win this game. I guess the same for Australia, but I think however they go about the business here, Tunisia, it's going to come with a clean sheet. I don't think that this will turn into a 2-1, a 3-1, that kind of game at all. I think it'll be very controlled. Um, and, and they'll do a lot of probing like they did against Denmark. They'll be very solid at the back. Um, and, you know, they created good chances against Denmark, didn't they? I mean, Kasper Schmeichel made a great save. Um, yeah. In the, was it, I think it was the first half, wasn't it? And he's just, just unbelievable save to, to well, vintage um, Peter Schmeichel, wasn't he? He stood up so long, made a great save. Uh, and, and that was Tunisia's best chance. But I think they'll have more chances here. Australia conceded nearly 4.6 expected goals to France, which is the most that any team's conceded in the first game um, this this World Cup. Even more than Costa Rica, and they were really bad against Spain. So yes. <laughs> um, Tunisia should have no problems at all creating chances. Um, so yeah, both teams to score no at 1.93 looks a big price to me. The reason I'm going both teams to score no instead of a Tunisia win to nil is just because of that nagging doubt that Tunisia won't have enough in attack. Because we, we have, we've seen in, in that 20-game stretch they have kept 11 clean sheets, but they've also failed to score a lot of times. Um, yeah, both teams have scored now. It's landed in 18 of those 20 international matches at Tunisia. So when they do win, it is generally a 1-0, 2-0. Um, so yeah, I was really surprised to see you know, 1.93. I thought it'd be a lot shorter given the, the opposition that they're facing. Great. Another captivating game at this World Cup. I'm good at this, uh... aren't I? Every <laughs> game I talk about is uh, unders or BTTS now. Uh, Mark, what do we think of this one? Are you on the same page as Jake here? Um, I kind of am, but I kind of am not as well because it's middle Ooh, game. How ethereal. Of, Very middle, mysterious of you. Okay. Well, it's, it, everything suggests it would be unders and opposing goals, but it's the middle game of the World Cup and it's effectively must win for, for both, really. And um, I always think at this kind of stage of the competition, jeopardy and desperation kind of eats into matches and, and that you know tends to produce more goal-heavy games, more card-heavy games too. So, um, yeah, I mean, this match is absolutely fascinating because pre-tournament, Australia are actually favourites to win this match. Um, and I kind of questioned it with a few people before the competition. And uh, now the market has gone dramatically in Tunisia's favour. Um, so we talk about overreactions. I think it's possibly gone a bit too far, but I think the market's right now to have Tunisia as as firm favourites. But um, yeah, if you were one of the early birds that got on Tunisia before a ball was kicked, they were odds against draw no bet in this match, which is mad really considering their price right now. But um, yeah, just um, that would be my concern about goals, just considering what, what's at stake here. But um, I've actually sort of dug back into the props market um, 
Aaron Moy, who's well known in British uh, football for his uh, career, Huddersfield, Celtic, etc. He attempted 66 passes for Australia against France. That's despite the Socceroos having just 38% of the ball. That's a really high total considering. Um, Tunisia only had 39% of the ball against Denmark. We expect them to have more of the ball now against Australia. Uh, but none of their players in that squad uh, attempted more than 55 passes. Moy had 66 against France and they were absolutely battered. So he tends to be the, the main receiver of the, of the defence. He is the link man between defence and attack. He's obviously a deep playmaker. So that 66 passes, strong effort considering the opponent's you think things will be slightly easier for him against Tunisia. He's even money to attempt 50 or more passes. Um, so 16 fewer than he did against France. He will play 90 minutes or actually probably more than closer to 100, 110 minutes considering he added on time, which is obviously in our favour. So I think that's a, a really nice price. Yeah, that's one of the newer markets, isn't it? That player passes market. So that's one very much to keep an eye on. Emmett, what have you got for us? Yeah, this is this is an interesting game. As, as Mark outlined, kind of you're always wary of kind of going with the teams who had the massive market move in their favour with and and, and that which with Tunisia kind of you could have got maybe 15 days on Tunisia or around a week 10 days ago and now they're as short as 11 to 10 and kind of I I, I but I, I would I, I do I, I, I do kind of see where that's coming from as, as I kind of outlined previously I think probably the market probably didn't expect Tunisia to have probably the home advantage that that they would have and in, in kind of just in terms of comparing these teams, it's very hard to imagine Denmark being outplayed on the XG by Australia like Tunisia did. So I think if while Tunisia obviously will have to probably play a bit more proactively than they did against Denmark, if they can play close to that level, it, it, it is hard to see Australia beating them. Just the, the bet I liked here, it's maybe more more of a more of a long shot given the price has kind of gone a little bit on Tunisia, is the is the Tunisian centre back Talby. He's kind of yeah, six six foot five, six foot six centre half. He's already he's already scored a goal for them this season. He's twenty two to one to score any time, fifty to one to score first. So if you're looking for kind of a, a small bet at a big price to liven up what might be the most exciting game or early or early on Saturday morning, I think that that's the way I'd look. Okay, every day of the first week of the World Cup, we've been offering a completely free £2 bet builder. Maximum one free £2 bet per customer per day applies to any bet builder on any World Cup game up until the 26th of November. Minimum combined odds 1.5. Eligibility criteria and T's and C's apply. Poland missed a big chance to kick off with a win against Mexico. Robert Lewandowski failed from the penalty spot, which I think is the fourth sign of the apocalypse. Uh, they face Saudi Arabia, who will be full of confidence after a remarkable win over Argentina. Mark, the polls are 1.79 favourites here. Does that seem right to you? Uh, Poland <laughs> were not great. They weren't, um, but if you're offered that price before the tournament was played, um, you'd probably snap people's hands off for it, wouldn't you? Yeah. And I mean, it's, I think that's the the main theme really about these second round games. There's been massive reactions in the betting markets compared to what we've seen, and, and look, Saudi Arabia deserve full credit for the game plan that Hervé Renard set up with and uh, obviously executed. But they did only have three shots and an XG of below 0.15, um, and they could have been out of the game quite convincingly by half-time. But that's football for you. Um, they rode their luck and, and took their opportunities 
when they came or you know, took their half opportunities, if you like, some fantastic finishing. But um, I think we saw a real togetherness, a cohesion, uh, an understanding of a game plan, which kind of goes to show they've worked very intensely with Hervé Renard. And as I said before the tournament, he has improved standards both on and off the pitch at Saudi Arabia. But um, I certainly didn't expect what we saw against Argentina. But yeah, I mean, this is a, a banana skin game for Poland now. They weren't very good against Mexico. Um, very, very... Um, disappointed with, I guess, the, the game plan of just knocking it along to Lewandowski and hoping for the best, really. But uh, yeah, I found this game quite tricky. Uh, Poland have moved from about 1.57 to close to 1.8 uh, in the last week, which is, again, quite a significant move. And as I say, if, you, if you're off that price before a ball was kicked, you'd probably take it. So I'm not going to. Um, instead, you mentioned him, Robert Lewandowski. Um, surely he'll get a chance or two in this game. Surely he'll get to end that duck in, in, in the World Cup. He's 2.4 on the exchange to score at any time. That is big, um, isn't it? <laughs> 2.4 against Saudi Arabia. Again, keep saying the same thing, but if that was offered to you a week ago, you'd be straight in on it, wouldn't you? So um, that's what I'm going to take. I'm going to take Lewandowski to score. Um, obviously, Poland have to be front foot here. Saudi Arabia can afford to be a bit more defensively minded, but um, if they start playing that high line again, uh, I can't imagine it's going to work every time, all the time. So it might be an opportunity for Poland. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular Bet Builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. And finally, it's crunch time for Argentina as they face Mexico. Defeat would be a fatal blow for Lionel Messi and company. Emmett Argentina are the 1.6 favourites here. First half. They look great against the Saudis. Second half, not so good. Yeah, this is. I think that this is really interesting to me. This is kind of the, this kind of where the kind of World Cup really starts, where there's real jeopardy involved for for for, for Argentina, and we could and we and like it's a game that if this is close late on or if Argentina are behind it on I think this could this game could, could descend into violence I would say we've quite <laughs> quite quite a few volatile characters on the Argentina side. You're talking- Have you seen the ref, Emmett? No. Oh, oh, if you think it's got a recipe for cards, get this. Come on then, Mark. Daniele Orsato. Okay. Wow. Okay, okay, yeah. So I think, like, again, as uh, as Mark said, that, 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 that even adds to it. And kind of, that's the kind of, I, I think Argentina will, will probably win here again. I'm kind of wary, like in a game where the XG in the Argentina-Saudi Arabia was like two points. Argentina were slightly over two, and Saudi Arabia had point point literally point one five scored two goals and point one five xg. It's why football is the beautiful game. You can you can win these games when you're totally overmatched, don't have many chances. But I wouldn't downgrade, even though they didn't play that well second half. I wouldn't downgrade Argentina too much, and I still expect them to win. But like I I, I still I would be hesitant to back them at the price they're at. So I think just playing into the violence angle. I think a small bet if you could get a bet builder on Mexico to win and Argentina to have a red card, it comes in around maybe twenty-five to one. The angle here just being if Mexico are up, say they're say they're two one up with ten minutes to go, I could easily see one of Romero, Paredes, Tagliafico, Latiro <laughs> Martinez. So you've, many you've, to you've, 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 yes, you've a list of five or six candidates like uh, who, who who might who might lose the head and win the bet for you. So Mexico to win and Argentina have a red card just coming in around maybe twenty five to one. I think that's, that's worth a small bet. We've done this show a fairly long time now. A few hundred shows, I think, we've done. I've never seen Mark look so gleeful as he did when he wanted to tell Emmett who the referee was for that one. Uh, Mark, therefore, I'm presuming you're thinking there's going to be a fair degree of violence as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it's got to be really, hasn't it? I mean, if Argentina are leading, they're going to be playing all the tricks in the books. If, if they're if they're behind, obviously, as Emmett said, there's a, a real opportunity for one of those to, or possibly multiple players to lose their heads. Uh, Mexico are, are no saints either. So um, you've kind of got that Latin America, South America battle um, with Orsato in the middle. You know, it's got all the all the ingredients for proper violence here. So um I'm confident in Argentina. Um, I didn't see a huge amount wrong with their performance, at least in the first half against Mexico and what they've done against Saudi Arabia. But what they've done superbly under Lionel Scaloni um, across the last 18 months is they've started strongly and they've normally got that goal uh, and then sort of imprinted their game plan on the opponents and, and, su- and basically suffocated the opposition. Um, I've no doubt if they if Martinez's goal was allowed uh, against Saudi Arabia, they probably would have won by three or four and Saudis wouldn't have had a sniff. But... That's football, and um, I just don't rate Mexico at all. Um, a lot of possession without penetration. There's not a huge amount in forward areas to get excited about. A lot of negativity towards Argentina's individuals, but I think it's much more about the collective, what they've got there, the, the system that they play. Uh, everyone knows what's required, and, and sure that they're missing Lo Celso as the link, but I still think with Messi, Di Maria, and Lautaro, there's enough in forward areas to, to cause Mexico problems. So there's many, many, many different options you can try and play this if you just want to play cards, if you want to play Argentina. I like Argentina minus three quarters, for example, on the Asian handicap at, at close to 1.8. Um, there's so many different options on the odds on that. And what um, is that? Just to explain to listeners who aren't as au fait with the, the Asian handicap, what is that that you've just outlined for us? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's effectively your, your your stake is split between Argentina minus 0.5 and Argentina minus 1. So if Argentina win by exactly one goal, you have a half stakes win with the other half um, returned. If they win by two goals or more, you get a full stakes payout. Obviously, if Argentina don't win, you don't make any money and you lose your stake. So... Um, but uh, I was digging around the many, many odds on that options. Um, I came up with a three-to-one shot, which feels quite plausible, actually. Uh, Argentina to score two or more goals. Argentina to have five or more corners. And Mexico to have two or more cards. That's three-to-one. Um, I can see Argentina winning this game relatively comfortably, just because I, I don't really rate Mexico. And it's a uh, stand-up or go-home, for really, for, for the Argies. Jake, can you see Argentina keeping themselves alive here with a fine win? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, all the reasons Mark's mentioned, really. Um, <clears throat> talked quite a lot in this show, haven't we, about the overreactions in markets. Um, there's definitely been a little bit of an overreaction to the Argentina performance against Saudi Arabia because, as, as Emmett said, the XG was just so one-sided. Uh, and just for context, there was a 1% chance that Saudi Arabia would score two goals from their chances and a 3% chance Argentina would score six from their chances. So just just shows how unlikely that actual <laughs> result was. Um, Does so game yeah, state play into that a little bit? Because Saudi were just hanging on in that whole second half almost once they got the goals. A, a little bit, but most of, the, most of Argentina's XG actually came in the first half. Um, the second half was it was more pot shots from distance and um, you know crosses in the box that were cleared by the goalkeeper, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought tactic, tactically, Saudi Arabia were really, really interesting to watch. Playing that high line in the first half and then completely switching it round and trying to, you know, let Argentina get a little bit closer so that they could they could counter-attack a little bit easier. Um, be interested to see what Mexico do. I don't think they'll be as brave as Saudi Arabia to play that high line. I think they will very much sit deep. I think if you'd have asked Mexican fans what they want from this World Cup, they'd have said a point against Poland, a point against Argentina, beat Saudi Arabia and go through. I think that's what they've got in their mind. So they'll be playing for a draw here. They'll be playing to be really difficult to beat. Um, but I just, think, I just think that plays into Argentina's hands. I think the, the deeper Mexico sit, <clears throat> the easier it'll be for Argentina because they've got those craft players that can 
you know, create magic moments and, and break down that deep line block. Whereas I think Saudi Arabia took a slightly different approach, which I think su- surprised Argentina playing that high line. I know they nearly got in a couple of times, but um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm just happy to go with the podcast tried and trusted method of Argentina to win under three and a half goals. Um, yeah, Mexico looked really, really poor against Poland, created next to nothing. Um, they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll be tough to beat. It won't be like a 3 4 5 nil. Um, but, you know, they should concede at least once or twice. Um, and I think Argentina, this is where they really, you know, all the, all the, all the you know, the, this, this, everything's in the middle of the table now for Argentina. It's, it's win or go home, effectively. Um, and I think that they'll, they'll, they've got the quality to step up and really sort of, yeah, put the marker down, a bit like Brazil did. Put the marker down. Make make everyone take note that, no, we are here and we are competitive. Yeah, there'll be a game late, but yes, they'll hope to do that. Messi, of course, trying to hang on to that World Cup dream. That's all we have time for on this edition of World Cup Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. If you want the best tips and insight delivered straight to your inbox, you can sign up for our World Cup newsletter at betting.betfair.com. Dot com. From Emmett, from Mark, from Jake and from me, it's goodbye for now.